Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. How's it going, everybody? Uh, your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, May 7th is just moments away. Uh, yeah. Live stream chat. What's happening? We got a few of you on there. Song of the day. What do you got? Song requests. We're looking for it. Ben's oh, going to sing a song of the day. He loves this. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, okay. I think we got a good one there. All right. All right. Well, let's thank these unions for sponsoring our program before we go any further. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. I'm not a doctor. That <laughs> always cracks me up. I'm not a doctor. That's our president. Uh, Drew uh, weighs in on the live stream uh, chat. Drew, t- uh, the, the Stacey Davis Gates interview is posted. Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. All right, yeah, there you go. Too. I just got to say, it's a great one. Yeah, they talk about the last dance. Everybody's talking about the last dance. Okay, uh, we got a song of the day, and um, all right, I think Ben, you know this one. Shout out to Keith. We're going with your song, Keith. Uh, I think you were on the live stream chat months ago. Welcome back, uh, Keith's request for the song of the day. God bless the USA. God bless um. Wait, oh no, wait, that's a different song. I don't know that country song, man. That's Lee Underwood, right? Is that the one? I don't know. Don't, oh, no, don't shrug like you don't know. I'm th- I'm singing the Kate Smith one. God bless America. How about that? Is that it? Huh? That's not it. Oh, God bless the USA, okay. and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. That song? Yeah, that. And I proudly stand oh, up. For, isn't that, I think that's Lee Underwood. I think George Bush used to love that song. Uh, Baby Bush, not Daddy. Maybe Daddy loved it too. All right, just sing God Bless the USA and we'll roll I, I don't know it. I, uh, it was written after 1979. Uh, can I, I'll, I'll just wing it. How about that? Okay. Go for it. God bless the USA. <laughs> I love the USA today. That, What a patriot. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, May 7th. And live from Ben Zanuck, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, union man and pension guru... Jeff Johnson. And now your host, union man and pension guru in training, Mm -hmm. Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Eric Zorn Zone Thursday. And here's why. So I woke up this morning and what did I see? Chicago Tribune columnist Eric Zorn wrote the same thing 
I did. That's correct. Immediately, I thought the worst. That mother beep is stealing my ideas. All right, hold on, I'm folks. I'm glad you're cleaning it up this, today. All <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, I'm Good cleaning Lord, it up. Good Lord, you were foul-mouthed yesterday. <laughs> I don't believe I've ever actually dropped the F-bomb on this show, T. I don't believe I've done that. You may have, but I haven't. Anyway, let me get to this. Uh, there are some inaccuracies I'd like to report in the statement I just uttered. Okay, D? I'm following. Already, the show has begun, and I've made some inaccuracies, all right? I just want to state that, um, you know, it's sort of like I was, I'm fact-checking my own stories like I was Kiana Cepeda Miller for the BGA. She's the one who always does those fact-checking stories, good stories, you know, takes apart what a politician says to uh, give it the score. Like, hey, Kiana it- Cepeda Miller, never fact-check our show, please. <laughs> never. Please don't. Okay. Yeah, you'd have a field day. Holy uh, cow. Sort of true. Uh, maybe not true. Uh, true in Ben's deranged mind, maybe. True. There was a man in that porta potty. <laughs> there was a man in the porta potty. There were two of them, as a matter of fact. Quick, call Lori. All right. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, correcting the inaccuracy. It was not actually yesterday's column. I mean, it wasn't today's column. It was yesterday's column. I just didn't get around to mentioning it yesterday. So anyway, I'm already uh, cleaning up uh, uh, my facts. All right. As you all know, Eric Zorn is a columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, He is also the answer to the trivia question, who is the first Tribune employee to ever appear on the Ben Jarofsky show? That's correct, right, D? Was this Jeopardy? Yes, okay. Who Who is is Eric Zorn? (laughs) No, that's not how you do Jeopardy. You go, uh, who was the first Chicago Tribune uh, columnist to appear on the Ben Jarofsky show? And the answer is uh, Eric Zorn. No, it would go the first Chicago Tribune columnist to appear on the Ben Jarofsky show. Who is Eric Zorn? No, you just, you just. No, you said who. Oh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) That's correct. Happens every now and again. You Dennis is right. He's right. And when he's right, he's right. You got to give the kid credit. Comes from Walton, Illinois, and he chopped wood and smoked a reefer before 5 o'clock. That rooster was crowing. I didn't chop wood. <laughs> okay. Sorry. One half of that. Uh, if uh, BGA Kiana Cepeda Miller was evaluating that sentence, she would say, well, one half of it was true. The other half, not true. Fact. The bald guy's weird. <laughs> Fact, he did not chop wood this morning. Anyway, where was I? Fact, he's not a doctor. Okay. Uh, uh, Eric Zorn is, of course, a distinguished columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, he also is a pretty good basketball player. I always like to point this out. Easy with the hook shot. Uh, and he's an excellent guitar player. And he can actually sing a song, B, all right? Yeah. Unlike me, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if he was asked to sing, what was the song I was asked to sing? God bless the U.S. He would know the words. He'd be singing it right now. He wouldn't start singing a Kate Smith. Hey, Eric Zorn, you want to do a podcast? I'll produce it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You could do sing songs. Finally, like, work with a host that can sing. <laughs> and with no songs after 79. I only, the God Bless America, Irving Berlin, I believe, wrote that song. Anyway, focus, Ben, focus. Uh, the column that uh, Eric Zorn and I, or the theme, the subject that Eric Zorn and I each dedicated a column to uh, was the subject of Donald Trump as rapist or alleged rapist. Uh, writer E. Jean Carroll alleges that Donald Trump raped her sometime in the 90s. She's not sure which year it was, 95 or 96. It's a very compelling story that E. Jean Carroll uh, wrote uh, and stands by. And I urge everybody to check out my column and Eric's column and know more about it. Uh, because it's definitely worth knowing for the following reasons. Well, many reasons, but 
after spending most of last week on this show discussing Tara Reid's uh, allegations of sexual assault that she's levied against Joe Biden, I thought it was just only appropriate that I would get around to mentioning that Biden's Republican opponent, the man who is currently president of the United States. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, that guy is accused of rape. I don't think a lot of people know that, D. Donald Trump has been accused of so many crimes against women. Uh, there's so much footage of him saying misogynist things against women that people just, like, it just blurs. It, it, people forget about it. And after a while, they, they're so numb to it. I pointed this out in the column that people are so numb to it, they were even asking Trump for his opinions about Joe Biden and Tara Reid's uh, sexual assault uh, allegations against Joe Biden. As though, you know, Donald Trump is some disinterested third party uh, who's like, you know, just value. Well, I saw it on the news. I'm very interested in it. You know, as opposed to a guy who I think has 16 uh, allegations or 20. I've lost track. I can't remember exactly how many allegations uh, have been leveled against Donald Trump. So I just thought it was a good point to raise. Uh, and um, so I, uh, the my column ran, I think it was on uh, Tuesday. Uh, no collusion. Yeah, thank you, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and I just thought it'd be a good idea to, you know, to point out that uh, somebody's accused Donald Trump of rape. E. Jean Carroll has accused him of rape. It's something you will never hear on Fox TV, I assume. Anyway, apparently Eric Zorn uh, had the same idea because uh, what, what's today? Do you, Thursday. It was yesterday, Wednesday. His column ran, and uh, which gives me an opportunity to play one of my favorite games. D, ready? Uh, headline battle. Now I just have to find. Oh, here we go. Headline battle. Okay, battle of the headlines. Oh yeah, sorry about that, man. All right, so we're gonna have battle of the headlines. Uh, all right, so I will read. Which one do you want me to read first, the Reader headline or the Tribune? Headline? Oh, today's battle of the headlines between the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Tribune. Mm. Uh, let's hear the Chicago Reader's headline first. Okay. <clears throat> and by the way, before uh, I just want to let you know, Chicago Tribune, I'm a big fan of your uh, headlines. I, I think you, you get right to the point. Uh, if you were to read the story years down the road, you look at the headline, you know exactly what the story's about. Yeah, you. Usually the battle is between the Sun-Times and the Tribune. As I like to call them, the Chicago pun times, because the very punny uh, headlines yes. they have. Like, for instance, let's just take a look at whatever's on the front page of the bright one today. My beloved bright one, home delivered every day. Uh, there's nothing punny on it. Uh, man accused of running prostitution ring caught complaining about virus hurting business. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> They got someone from the Tribune? <laughs> Did they bring someone from the Tribune I'm in? I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> in, but don't, Sometimes right you're dropping the ball there. No, you're not. Right to the point. I like All it. All right, here's another one. NFL will reveal 20 schedule tonight, but playing it in full is far from guaranteed. Wake up. <laughs> Come on, bright one. Can do better than that. All right, let's get back to the. I I like. I always like the Sun Times headlines. They're funny. Yeah, but you're right, D. It's it's a boring. Um. Oh, here we go. Here is all right. Here's the NFL. Okay, that was the front page. What they call a teaser, D. <laughs> you're getting and, good at this hosting thing. <laughs> so you go to the back where the the sports page is, and the headline on the NFL schedule is waiting games. Get it? It's like waiting. <laughs> Oh, that bright one. All right, here we go. Tribune head. Uh, no, you want? You said reader first? Okay, reader, reader first. first. What's that reader headline? Battle of the headlines. Chicago Reader, Chicago Tribune. Reader headline. The great evil. The Republicans remain silent about E. Jean Carroll's charge that Trump raped her. Okay? Okay. I kind of like it. I mean, 
the contents rather unfortunate, but I like the headline. Yeah, you like the headline. You know, I obviously right. Okay, and here's uh, the headline in the Tribune. Consider the accusation against Biden, but don't forget the accusations against Trump. <laughs> I'm, when my heart, Chicago Tribune, you're like 50 and 0. You're killing it. Good job. My, I go with the Tribune. Well, I just want to point out that I wrote the reader headline. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Listen, man, when it comes to headline writing, I'm pretty bad. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, here's the Sun-Times headline. Uh, what will our sick president do next? Uh, that is actually not a headline on a story about rape, but I just love that headline so much I felt compelled uh, to read it. It is the headline over today's article or column by Essie Cup, who is one of the few Republicans or conservatives in the country who has the guts to stand up to Donald Trump. And I've become a big fan of S.E. Cup, even though I, half the time I'm like railing about something. She, no, that's wrong. But you know what? You got to every time I see a Republican with the guts to stand up to Trump, I have to just shout out and say there's someone with integrity, even if we don't see eye to eye on just about anything else other than the fact that we realize Trump is insane and should not be our president. Yes, sir. You have a question. Well, what do you say we put our uh, our avid listener, Frank, to work here? What does S.E. stand for? Oh, Okay, let me see if they say here in the Sun Times. Sylvia Eleanor? I, I do not Frank! know. I am flummoxed. I do not know the answer what to that question. What does SE stand for? I'll look it up if Frank doesn't know how to weigh in. Uh, we got to put Frank to work, yeah, you know? Yeah, Frank to work at least twice a day. All right, anyway, uh, so uh, back to my column, similar columns between Eric Zorn and myself. So, D, I'm not really proud of what my first reaction was when I saw the headline over Eric Zorn's column. I'm going to tell you right now, it was not one of my finest moments. It was, as I said, along the lines of, that mother beep stole my idea. I heard it. It was, <laughs> he was upset, I'm like, guys. God damn that mother. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, you know, like, and then I read it. I'm like, well, let's see if he gave me any acknowledgement. <laughs> no, no. And then I, you know, I read it very carefully. And uh, I got to say this. It's my Obama imitation. I got to say this. Uh, Eric Zorn, you did not steal my column. Uh, it just sounds like you talking really <laughs> fast. Uh, it's just so happened that we co coincidentally had the same thought at the same time uh, and approached it, you know, a little different vantage points for two different people but it's like two old white guys who wish they were basketball players writing about the same topic how about that d whoa there's my pen <laughs> i gotta say this right now say it eric say Zorn it say it is a far better basketball player than i ever was i little he is taller he's tall he has actually like a game okay i don't really have a game i just have a mouth Big talker on the basketball court. I can anyway. see he was a, a three and D kind of guy, you know. Uh, so it's just like these two old white guys writing columns, one for the Tribune and one from the Reader, and at the same time, ooh, there goes the train. At the same time, they had the same idea. <laughs> Hence, the Eric Zorn Zone. <laughs> Oh, uh, ever since then, you know, I've been singing this song. There's this Gordon Lightfoot song, which of course nobody knows because it's from the '70s, and I'm the only one yeah. who remembers songs from the '70s. Yeah. If you could read my mind, yeah, love that song. <laughs> you know that song, D? No. Anyway, uh, so it gave me an idea for like a, a high school project. 
You know, every, all the kids are out of school now. Hey, so teachers, if you're listening, you want a good high school project? Here's a good high school project. Have your students read Eric's column and then read my column, and they can do a compare and contrast. That's a good idea, huh, D? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I loved high school English. Can I just tell you that, D? I really did. It was one of the few classes that I enjoyed. It was one of the few classes I didn't struggle to get a C in. You know what I mean? Oh, physics and chemistry. But I, I really enjoyed uh, high school uh, English. I could just see, like, sitting there with my little pen in my hand and the teacher saying, okay, well, Eric Zorn wrote this column and Ben Jarofsky wrote this column. I want you to compare and contrast. I'm like, but so excited, D. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I'd read each column and I'd underline the significant parts. And then, anyway, so, um, but there are some differences. Uh, Eric's uh, column implores us to, uh, to carefully listen to both accusations from both women both uh, Tara Reid and Eugene Carroll uh, and he's imploring us to do the right thing and don't ignore one or the other because of your party allegiances or your party affiliations which is a really important point and it's uh, I urge everybody to follow uh, Eric's advice because it's sound good responsible advice <clears throat> the main point of my uh, column of uh, course went in the complete opposite direction uh, I think it could uh, be summed up along these lines. Those mother beep Republicans, they're serpents, they're snakes. We heard that one before. I haven't heard that one in a while, huh, D? <laughs> Those serpents. <laughs> now, come on now, guys. We all know Republicans are a bunch of snakes and serpents when it comes to sexuality. This is just one of my favorite points. I talk about this all the time. It's not just uh, the, the issue of sexual assault and uh, it's also, I don't know, let's start with health care. Apparently only re Democrats are supposed to come up with policies for health care. The Republican policy on health care is to destroy Obamacare and not replace it. That's their policy. See, that's what, I mean, I know we've been taught, like, on one hand this, the Democrats say that, and one hand that, the Republicans say that, and so where do we meet in the middle? That's kind of what we're taught, you know, that's like the fair, uh, when they go low, we go high way of doing things, right, D? But yes. when one party just ignores an issue and just pretends like it doesn't exist and just uses the issue to score gotcha points against the other side, how can you have like a fair analysis? So in the case of sexual assault complaints in the Me Too era, the Republican Party's attitude is that it's only an issue worth pursuing if we can use it as a weapon to pound away at Democrats, particularly Democratic women who were forceful in their defense of Dr. Ford and her uh, accusations against Brett Kavanaugh and have been a little hesitant to join the chorus of people saying that Tara Reid is absolutely right uh, in her accusations against Joe Biden. And so Republicans are like, ah, they're hypocrites. They do they quickly denounced our boy Brett Kavanaugh. Why don't they line up to denounce Joe Biden? Hypocrites. Meanwhile, they, they say, never say a word about E. Jean Carroll's case against Donald Trump for accusations of rape. And by the way, that case is still very much going on. Uh, after E. G. Carroll came out with an article in New York Magazine, which was an excerpt from her book, accusing Trump of raping her, uh, Trump responded, typical Trump fashion, what was his line, D? Uh, he goes, uh, she's not my type, like sort of implying that if she was his type, he might have raped her. Uh, and then he went on to call her a liar and said she was just selling books. And then she uh, filed a suit, a defamation lawsuit against him, saying that uh, her, 
he has damaged his, her career and reputation. And that case is still being uh, heard in New York, New York State right now. In fact, I'm not making this up, folks. This is true. If, if This doesn't get covered much. There's a lot of other news. I understand we're in the middle of a pandemic, a life-threatening pandemic. You all right? Yeah, I'm just plugging my computer in. It's like all of a sudden I'm I going just under the table. This is under the. T- this is like that old routine we had to, at the radio station before we got fired. Oh wait, it's te- tech. Hold on, I only one of us got fired. <laughs> Let's just get that clear, yeah, right? I quit. Yeah, only one of us got fired. No, but one time we were in the old show. I looked over to Dennis. He was on the floor. So you're all right? You okay? Yeah, I'm, go- I'm plugging you, my computer in. You lose your contact lenses or something? I don't wear contacts. <laughs> I'm plugging my computer in. All right. Charging up. It's a good ah. idea. She always up your computer. Anyway. It sucks in the attic, guys. <laughs> it's not so bad. In fact, my wife was giving me a, a story before I came up the stairs. Dan, I didn't tell you this. Uh, might as well tell you now that there's a report she read that talks about circulation flow is really important to avoid getting contaminated by the virus. Uh, so it's really important to open the windows and, mm-hmm. and so forth mm-hmm. and have like a cross breeze. Did you read that same story? No, no. no. Uh, so I thought, oh my God, we may have to hold back on to the, I, my beloved studio, which I want to go back to so bad so I could see my guests across the microphone. I love that aspect, you know, like yesterday I interviewed Stacey Davis Gates. I love being in the studio. You get that give and take with someone. Uh, but uh, we may have to wait a little while, Dave, because we don't get much cross ventilation in that place. No, know? we don't. Yeah. Plus, no, we do not. Dennis is secretly going, yes, more peanut butter jelly sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, Eugene Carroll. <laughs> they are free. <laughs> what, the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah, yeah. They're delicious, too. I had uh, the jelly on the toast today. It was unbelievable. But uh, Eugene Carroll has uh, filed suit, as I said, a defamation uh, case against Donald Trump. And there's a pivotal point in that case that has some sort of... Uh, resonance to the Bill Clinton case in the 90s. Follow me in this. E. Jean Carroll says there's a substance on her dress, which the dress she was wearing the day that uh, Donald Trump allegedly raped her. And she says that that substance may be linked to Donald Trump. She's never washed the dress. She never wore it again. It's been hanging uh, in her closet or in her room ever since uh, the, uh, the assault took place. And uh, she wants Donald Trump to have to give a DNA sample. And Donald Trump's lawyers are in court arguing that that's just would cause irreparable harm to Donald Trump. He's so busy being our president. He doesn't have time to deal with these uh, requests for DNA samples, which was pretty much the same argument that Bill Clinton gave back in the 90s as to why he should not be forced to give depositions in cases uh, dealing with his allegations against him for sexual assault. Just saying, Republicans, just saying, you're really big at the gotcha game. Well, there's your guy taking an argument for Bill Clinton, and you had Bill Clinton, you were impeaching Bill Clinton for the same thing, so I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, Anyway, so I... We'll be following the E. Jean Carroll story, uh, and I'm not going to let that one go anytime soon. So anyway, uh, Eric, uh, congratulations. It was a very good column. Uh, it shows the differences between your view of the world and my view of the world, and I think it's important. I really do believe it would be a great classroom assignment uh, for some high school kids <laughs> bored out of their mind in the pandemic uh, to read the columns and compare and contrast. But uh as long, Eric, as we're on the same, uh, the notion of writing columns about what's on my mind, I suggest that you, uh, here's a topic. I suggest that you do a column about something I've been talking about obsessively for the last week. 
What have I been talking about obsessively for the last week, D? Let's see. The Last Dance, <laughs> uh, that stupid Convoy song. Um, there's so many. I don't know. Uh, a certain TV show that I've been watching. Oh, Take yeah. the knife out of my back and plunge it through my heart. And what show would that be? Shit's great. Ah, you swore. Nah, nah, you swore. Anyway, you should write a column about Shit's Creek because I've been talking to Cecily about it. Guess what, D? I wake up this morning and what do I see? Eric Zorn wrote a column about Shit's Creek. That's correct. <laughs> I'm telling you something. There is something out there. It's the Eric Zorn Zone. We got a great show today, everybody. Jeff Johnson will be here talking union politics. Oh, man, he is fired up to talk about Amazon. And he's also going to talk about pension issues. He's going to talk about budget issues. Our taxes going up. I fear they will be going up big time. Oh, God. But uh, that's down the road. So we uh, have Jeff Johnson, the union man, on talking politics and union issues. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie, with the news. Hey, listeners, how's it going? What's up, Eric Zorn? Hey, did Eric Zorn really write a column about Schitt's Creek? Yeah, he did. I, I was unbelievable. I was writing this thing up, and I wanted to get the headline down. You know what I mean? So I went, and I don't know if it was a column. I didn't see it in the paper. Let me look. Hold on, Dave. This is just today's Tribune. Nope, it's not in the Tribune. It's it's online. Uh, technically, old geezers like me don't count that. It's uh, got to be in the newspaper, all right? Uh, well, that's very cool, though. Uh, Eric Zorn, I guess uh, he, uh, he's been listening to the show, and he decided to give it a shot. Well, I I got a feeling that was in the, I I'm not going to say that I got a feeling that the two of us both stumbled upon Shit's Creek roughly I at the same don't know. time. <laughs> the show's about five years old, and uh, I don't know. Maybe he was listening. Oh uh, wait, which show is five years old? Shit's, Shit's Creek. Creek yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was. Well, hey, Eric Zorn, is there something that you can suggest to Ben to watch? That'd be cool. Any suggestions? Ben will watch it, and you guys can talk about it. Yes. Maybe we can do a Benny J bonus interview about it. Uh, about we could the Last Dance, the Last Dance, Shit's Creek, and whatever Eric Zorn uh, suggests you watch. Jerry Haji, love Jerry Haji. We talk about. Remember, I was talking about that about three weeks ago, D. No. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget it. Live stream chat. What's happening? Uh, before we get into the news, let's go to you guys. Uh, S-E cup. What does S-E stand for was the question. We, we got it, actually. Oh, really? uh, Frank, uh, Brianna beat you to it. Sarah Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Sarah Elizabeth. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Doogie, uh, I, I don't think special enhancement is correct. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Or super enlightenment. It's uh, Sarah Elizabeth. So. Sarah Elizabeth, write that down. Thank you very much, Brianna. Frank, step up the game, pal. Come on. All right. Uh, let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> and Illinois House Republican leader Jim Durkin would agree. More on that very shortly. Oh, that's but, a good line. That was well done. Well done. More on that very shortly. But first, at this very moment, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, is in her office. She's announcing the city's COVID-19 reopening framework. Uh, we're going to try and go to that a little later on uh, today here. So, Ben, uh, have you heard anything about this? Uh, anything you'd like to say here before we move on to Jim Durkin-gate uh, about Lori Lightfoot, the mayor? I know uh, the candle, uh, it's in the mail. It's going to be coming soon. I ordered Ben that... Uh, <laughs> 
and whatever <laughs> candle it was, the faith candle, yeah. the Lori Lightfoot faith candle. Go listen to yesterday's show if you want to know more about that. But anything you'd like to say before we get into the state news? Uh, well, I would like to talk about something else. Do I have your permission? Were you going to mention the interview I did with Stacey Davis Gates? Or is that later? Great pre-show planning on the Ben Jarofsky show, just, as just, always. Just mention it. Go for it. Go. Well, well I, I did an interview with Stacey Davis-Gates, and all of you know that she, of course, is the vice president of the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, one of the most outspoken progressives in the city of Chicago, and generally has a lot to say about progressive politics, uh, Lori Lightfoot, et cetera, and so forth. This time, we dedicated our, our conversation to The Last Dance, this ESPN special about the Chicago Bulls, my beloved Chicago Bulls, and once a week, been doing interviews. Dennis has been so uh, just so kind to allow me to indulge my bull passion and do one a week interview. One a week. Uh, and um, so I got a funny email, a text message from Steve James, the filmmaker, who I did the interview with last week. So if you want to check that out. Uh, and uh, as I revealed to everybody, and I got a thank you, Frank, because if it wasn't for listener Frank, I wouldn't know that. How do I? I've been able to watch it. Uh, because even though I don't have cable. So uh, Steve James sent me this text. He goes, hey, can you share how you are accessing Last Dance? A good friend and colleague of mine would love to know. He's a huge uh, basketball fan and cheap like you with no cable. I just thought that was funny. And cheap like you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Steve James has got a million of them. Uh, anyway, I, I can't remember how I'm accessing. I learned it from Frank. It's some like bootleg ESPN thing you get if you just have a yeah. general subscription. But it's like bootleg ESPN. You know what I'm saying? You, it, I don't know. It's got commercials. It, it doesn't have the full ESPN. Regular ESPN has commercials. Maybe it's the real ESPN. All I, think I know, it's the real ESPN. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I get it through my my uh, streaming package. Wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, all I did was follow Frank's advice, and I went on the TV, and I went to that, like, what's that page called, D, with all the icons? The table of content, if, if it were a book. But I know, like, streaming has different language and stuff that all you millennials know. Anyway, I clicked on ESPN, and one thing led to another, and I'm watching it. So there you go. He's getting there, guys. Streaming advice from Ben Jarofsky. You're yeah. desperate when you're turning to me. Ben's catching up with the 21st century. He's getting there, all right? <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, go download that uh, in all of our uh, second portions of the show, I guess, uh, are downloadable both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Yes, Ben, you're raising your hand? Yes. I have. A, uh, can I tell you who we're going to interview today? Yeah. KC, Kelly Cassidy. All State right. Kelly Cassidy. All right. Well, no Bulls conversation with Kelly. But Reds. maybe I'm going to try to see if Ben will get stoned before the interview. <laughs> Still working on that, guys. Boy, that'd be awesome. Uh, Casey, um, yeah, man, uh, I love that song you did uh, back in the seventies, Casey and okay. such. Yeah, you know, every time you do that, I realize maybe it's not a good idea. But Kelly Cassidy uh, tonight, we're gonna try and down have that up available by seven o'clock. I effed up uh, yesterday and didn't have it up by seven o'clock. Uh, the Stacey Davis Gates interview was up by eight o'clock. But tonight, okay, it's gonna be up. Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader websites, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Turns out we have content for you every single day of the week. We bring our lunch pail here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, let's uh, let's talk about JB Pritzker here. JB Pritzker is doing what he always does these days. He'll be at the Thompson Center delivering his daily COVID nineteen press briefing. It will be at two thirty. Now, earlier in the week, Governor Pritzker announced his Restore Illinois plan. 
It's a five-year phase strategy to reopening Illinois during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's begin with phase one. Okay, Governor, actually, we heard all phases during Wednesday's program. <laughs> We're not doing that again. For those who didn't hear it, go download Wednesday's show uh, at both Sun-Times and Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. But Ben, real quick, what were your overall thoughts on uh, the Pritzker five-phase plan to well, reopen Illinois? As I pointed out yesterday, it was similar to what I had to say when you read Donald Trump's uh, phase in plan. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So it's important that Republicans remember that Pritzker's plan has many similarities to Donald Trump's plan uh, in, in that it's a staggered phase in because they want to prevent the disease from kicking in again. All right. And uh, so there's a lot of caution built into it. They don't want to suddenly just reopen everything, send uh, Ben and Dennis back to the studio, and then realize two weeks later that they're spreading the disease everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's just let's let's be cautious about this because the most important thing is to try to not have a repeat of this pandemic. And I know everybody's impatient and I know everybody wants to get back to work and a lot of people are really desperate and it's scary times ahead of us. All that is very real, but it's like step by step. That's what any logical, rational, reasonable person uh, would say. And there are some people in the White House who are have a similar position as Pritzker on this. Apparently, the president of the United States is not one of them, or he, he, he changes from day to day. So I just pointed out that the, the compelling issue that uh, neither Pritzker, nor Trump, nor Andrew Cuomo, nor Lori Lightfoot, they do not know when would be the safe time to kick in these different phases. Right, D? I mean, we just don't know. We don't know. We don't have enough testing, uh, which is just pretty... Uh, just to think about that, the richest country in the world does not have enough testing uh, to, to, to see how many people have the damn virus. And uh, so it's just we have to have a, a very sharp, clear indication of when it will be safe to reopen. And Pritzker doesn't know that any more than Trump. So the general guidelines are great, but we don't have specifics because they don't know. So it's a five-phase plan. We learned on Wednesday that we are in phase two flattening phase three is recovery phase four revitalization phase five illinois restored uh benny J, we've been covering politics in the entire state of illinois for over three years now so this should really come as no surprise uh an illinois republican lawmaker completely disagrees with you on jb pritzker's five-phase plan um yes i am not surprised i would expect that but let's get into the specifics and see how much he disagrees after pritzker's plan was announced illinois house leader jimmy d jim durkin <laughs> harumphed immediately saying about pritzker's five uh, phase strategy quote this plan does not work among other things and we knew that this wouldn't have been uh, the last we heard of Durkin on this. And if you've ever watched Fox 32 News Chicago, you knew there was about a 98% chance that Jim Durkin would be on in no less than 24 hours, <laughs> propped up on a pedestal, pissing off Chicago lefties far and wide. <laughs> and hey, what do you know? Durkin was on Fox 32 this morning. Wait, Tim, I was, did Flannery interview him? Nope, not ah, Flannery. Damn. It's not Flannery. He was speaking with Fox 32's Sylvia Perez. We have the audio. 
What kind of interview was it, you ask? House GOP leader Jim Durkin said point black. He's the one who said the plan doesn't work. And he joins me this morning via Zoom. A Zoom interview. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> Durkin loves Zoom, by the way. That's what, the yeah. nation loves Zoom. No, but can't you say this? It's one thing, you know, you talk about, we have to find things of common agreement. So you got Jim Durkin and Dr. Howard Ehrman. They both <laughs> love Zoom. One on the right, one on the, oh, every now and then they get, get together. Don't you just love Zoom? I love it. <laughs> now, for those of you who have been documenting this uh, information, uh, when we first started up in the attic, boy, our host, Ben Jarofsky, <laughs> hated zoom but i'm happy Sucks. to report i'm happy to report though that he's coming around on it isn't that right ben now, the audio zoom video zoom sucks come on guys you've been sold a bill of goods typical america they love zoom everybody just falls in love with google gmail oh, i love it ben has an aol account but uh guys so they all suck okay they all suck what's man we should start playing uh uh what's your guy's name bill barr I love Bill, his Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. Yeah, I always get him mixed up with William Barr. Hey, dyslexia is no joke. Bill Burr is a very funny comedian. I just sent this to Josh, Joshua Smizer, I think. I just sent this to him oh, Bill, the other day. Bill Burr? The Bill Burr routine about uh, Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah. And, uh, or Jobs, whatever. Oh, whatever it is, Jobs or Jobs. Uh, but... Um, it's it's really a it, it's really a riff on how Americans just fall in love with their gadgets and just like pledge allegiance to them all the time and just like love the brand names. Actually, that was a theme in the um, well that in the Stacey Davis Gates interview yesterday where we talked about how so many people fell in love with Air Jordans because Michael Jeffrey Jordan was wearing them. Uh, anyway, uh, but I digress. Let's hear your Bill Burr impression. I can't. I can't. That was it. No, that was. I, I, have, I was about to do Flannery. That's Ken Davis. I know, but Flannery and Ken Davis, they kind of they come together. Here's a question for you, Mayor. <laughs> the pandemic. It's just driving people crazy. I'm gonna say it right now. People, mark this down, all right? <laughs> that, your Mike Flannery is literally your best impression. That is a really good Mike Flannery. Willie Wilson, let's talk about reparations. Like, no joke, no sarcasm. <laughs> that is your best impression. I, 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 I kind of think my Kenny D. <laughs> You're going to break your desk after we're done with the attic shows. Uh, well, the, it's starting to really kind of like the attic shows. You know that? I mean, the train, the porta potty, the peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> Boy, what? That's a combo there, huh? Trains, porta potties, and peanut butter sandwiches, baby. All right, let's hear what uh, Jim Durkin uh, Jim had. Jim Durkin. Okay. Yeah, let's listen to Jim Durkin on Fox 32. No, not with Flannery. Ah, uh, come on, Fox. And don't you dare do your Sylvia Perez impression. I do not have an imitation of Sylvia Perez. Oh, hey, and Fox 32, don't sue us. <laughs> Here's Jim Durkin. What is wrong with this plan and why are you against it? I'm against the governor's plan. Uh, first of all, the arbitrary dates in which he established for these opening or these phasing in of the state of Illinois uh, don't work. Um, I made, uh, I spent some time talking about how the hospitality industry is uh, on the verge of collapse and never reopening bars, restaurants. They've lost uh, 321,000 jobs in the last uh, month and a half. And the governor under his plan says we wouldn't be able to have restaurants open up again at the earliest at the end of June. Uh, he needs to speak to the people who uh, run the restaurants, the association. Most of them will file for bankruptcy at that point. 
They've lost 321,000 restaurant hospitality jobs uh, since the beginning of the order. We have to do more to be able to balance not only the integrity of the health and safety of Illinoisans, but also we have to save our economy, not you know help our economy. We have to save it. The governor's plan basically sets up different zones in the state that will be subject to a different phasing in program. But the problem is he has these zones which incorporate and treat the the, the, the city of, of Peoria uh, the same way they treat uh, towns in Henderson County, which is right on the river that is a county of less than 10. It just doesn't make sense. I don't think there was a lot of uh, plan or I don't think there was any like, great thought that went into how he is going to manage in different parts of the state. Uh, to me, it just didn't make sense based on uh, my conversations with uh, local leaders, but also my colleagues. And uh, we have to approach this on a legislative basis. And that's the point that I made yesterday. All right, uh, let's just break this apart. There's some things that he says uh, that have some validity, and there's some things that he's not saying. So let's just set the context for this. Uh, Jim Durkin is a Republican. He's the leader of the minority party in the House of Representatives. He's perhaps the most important Republican uh, in Springfield at the moment. Uh, you know, Bruce Rauner, thankfully, is gone, so uh, there's not a lot of competition. Uh, as the leader of the Republican Party, he is basically straddling a very precarious divide. The vast majority of Republicans, not just in the state of Illinois, but the country as a whole, are MAGA hat wearers. And as such, uh, they follow Donald Trump wherever he leads, including off a cliff. And at the moment, many of them uh, have convinced themselves that essentially that this pandemic is a contrivance created by a combination, a bizarre combination. Well, it sort of varies who's the, uh, the, the, the players in uh, this uh, conspiracy theory, but the Chinese government, the news media, the Democrats, all to undermine Donald Trump's presidency and enable Joe Biden to win in November. That's the prevailing point of view of most Republicans in our country today. I'm just saying it like it is, okay? Now, Jim Durkin is one of those Republicans who he's, he's an educated man. He's a very successful lawyer with a practice downtown Chicago. I, I understand one of his specialties is TIFFs. I'm not going to go there. I'm just pointing that out. All right. So as such, he's probably, how do I put this, D, at least open to the notion that science plays a role in all this, but he can't go too far without exciting the MAGA hat crowd. He can't go too far without inflaming the prejudices of people like one of his colleagues, Darren Bailey, who's probably going to be the leader of the Republican Party. You called it yesterday. He's running for He's governor. He's running for governor, DB, Darren Bailey from downstate. Vote for me. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all made up. So he has to balance those. And so a, a balancing act requires criticizing Pritzker to, know, to let everybody know that he's not with Pritzker without really giving uh, too much credence to the MAGA hat crowd, because that would make him look like an, what, an idiot? And <laughs> some of his constituents, moderate Republicans out in Elmhurst and DuPage County, might be offended if he goes too far toward MAGA hat country and basically, you know, uh, championing the themes that the protesters we're articulating last, you know, the protesters with the Nazi signs, those protesters. 
So it's a balancing act. And in that balancing act means he has to say something critical about Pritzker uh, and then come up with an alternative. Well, there is no alternative because why is there no alternative? Because nobody knows how long this virus is going to stick around for. Nobody knows if there's going to be a second wave. So Jim Durkin's like saying, well, these are arbitrary dates that don't work. All right, what are your dates? What, what date would you like to open up all restaurants in the state of Illinois, Jim Durkin? <laughs> because you don't know. It would be really irresponsible of you to say, I think we could open up restaurants tomorrow. Oh, okay, open them up tomorrow, and then people get sick. Then what? So, yes, it's a crisis. It's perhaps the most serious crisis I have ever faced. And I'm old. I'm even older than Jim Durkin, if such a thing is possible. Oh, it's possible. Trust me. <laughs> okay? You're so old. I- I've never seen anything like this. In my entire life, and it is scary and it's frightening, but the first step is getting safe. That's the first step. So what, are you going to open up restaurants? He says, we need to open up restaurants because restaurants will go out of business. Yeah, absolutely. This is serious. Restaurants could go out of business. Many restaurants will go out of business. When are you going to open them, Jim? When do you say it's going to be safe? You say, oh, well, we can open it up in zones. So, like, we'll open it up in, uh, what's the name of the town where uh, Darren Bailey's from? Xena, right? Xenia. Xenia. We'll open it up in Xenia, okay? (laughs) To take care of Darren Bailey, we'll open it up in Xenia. All right, you're going to pick one town in the state of Illinois. Then you'll be, we did our job. What about Elmhurst? You're going to open up the restaurants in Elmhurst, which is in DuPage County, not far from Chicago? I'm sure people are very concerned about the the coronavirus spreading there. So, yes, I understand the need for Jim Durkin to straddle this divide in the Republican Party between those who are relatively sane and those who have lost their freaking minds and are following Donald Trump off a cliff. But I ain't buying it. Well, we got more of Durkin's uh, interview to play here, right. so let's hear the rest. What would you do differently than the governor is planning to do when it comes to starting to reopen our state? What's your plan? One, I, I wouldn't do, I would not uh, include DuPage, Grundy, or Kendall County with the Chicago plan. Our plan states that we are going to give regional, more, I would say, direct regional consideration based on the counties that will work with the local health departments and also the Illinois Department of Public Health and for them to be able to establish protocols based on the hospitalizations and also the uh, the the testing that has, whether or not there has been testing to show coronavirus in those districts. We have many areas and many counties in the state of Illinois that have experienced no cases of anyone being tested positive nor fatalities, and they should not be treated, again, in the same way which you have small communities outside of Springfield uh, that are now being treated as Springfield uh, in in these zones. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Okay. We have to do a job. We have a, a county health department in every county in the state of Illinois. We have local decision makers. We have to start giving them some flexibility to make decisions on how their region should phase back into uh, moving from uh, these non-essential businesses, allowing right. restaurants, shoe stores, and the small business in Main Street to be able to open up under safe conditions based on the hospitalizations and the different facts and figures that are coming out of their their communities. Well, I just took a look at DuPage County. Just 
took a look while he was talking. Uh, 3,256 uh, confirmed cases uh, in DuPage County and 174 deaths related to coronavirus. So it's a pretty serious uh, pandemic in DuPage County as well. And again, uh, I, I, I am married to a, a woman who runs a small business. Our business has been closed for a while. I understand what small businesses are going through uh, in the state of Illinois right now throughout this country. And it's a serious crisis. I know a lot of people who could lose their businesses, but you want to be sure that it's safe. And just saying, well, we're going to let, you know, every county uh, come up with its own decisions. What do they, what, what if they say, well, we're, we're going to allow this restaurant to open in uh, downstate Xenia, right, D? Xenia? Thank you. He's nodding his head. It's like he acts Zinia. like he, he like knows it. He never even heard of it until the thing. That's right. Known it all my life. Zinia. <laughs> just down the road from Alton. By oh, the way. yeah. Uh, so, you know, what, were they going to ban people from coming from DuPage County or Chicago? I mean, it is all one state. That's the point uh, that Pritzker uh, was making. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm not quite sure I'm ready to open it up to every county gets to make its own decision there should be some uniformity throughout the state uh because like people can go to xenia from dupage county so it's you could say well there's no cases here in xenia right now but what are you gonna ban people from dupage county jim durkin you cannot come to xenia because you're from dupage county uh and then then there's that judge remember the judge in uh clay county remember him i forget his name at the moment mark brown wrote a great column about the guy uh and it's like they think because there's nobody who has, who's died in their county from this disease that they're completely protected from it. And I just think that's delusional. So I don't know. Safety first is what I say. This one. All right. We got more from Durkin here, but uh, real quick, Ben, on a scale of one to 10, how's the quality on that Zoom call? <laughs> I, it was, it's, cut, it's cutting out every now and again. It's, man, that sucks. One to 10? Uh, so 10 being great, one being lousy? Of course. Uh, I'd say Four. That's correct. Do you think it's better than the Zoom calls we've done? Absolutely. <laughs> Way better than the Zoom There's calls. There's something we've about done. the attic that just destroys Zoom. Yeah, you know. But uh, I'd, I'd give it about a uh, six and a half. Six and a half. It's pretty good. All right, let's hear more from Durkin. What's it going to take to get the General Assembly back and play the role that you feel like is so important as opposed to letting the governor make all the decisions? Well, I will just say this, that this is, has been under consideration. Uh, the governor can change his executive order in, in, in a, um, a second's notice. He can carve out an exception for the legislature if he wants for us to return back to Springfield. And I, I just want to emphasize, it is the governor's Department of Public Health who has prepared a, a protocol for the legislature to meet in the Capitol that would be uh, safe, responsible, and it would uh, exercise, uh, you know, uh, social distancing, also the protective gear, which you would have to wear. So uh, it's really a question of, you know, I know the governor, he can't force us really to come back. He can issue a uh, emergency proclamation on a day-by-day basis, but it really comes down to Mike Madigan of whether or not he is prepared to, or wants to allow the legislative branch do their job and uh, go back to Springfield to work and also to, uh, try to get our arms around these terrible issues that are going on in the state of Illinois. We, and I said earlier that the one branch uh, of running the state, which is the executive branch, uh, that's got to stop. I'm with him 100% on that. How about that? A little agreement between All right. Jim Durkin All and Ben right. Jarofsky. I'm with them. Okay. I, I just like in the city of Chicago. 
where I was, you know, I applauded uh, the uh, efforts of um, Carlos Ramirez Rosa and the other aldermen to try uh, to exercise some legislative authority over Lori Lightfoot and not just allow her uh, to spend uh, COVID money, whatever, whichever way she wanted, to, to declare an emergency, to give herself more power. I'm with them. I believe in a separation of power. And I know Jim Durkin will be joining me any day now uh, to call on Donald John Trump to, uh, uh, to in abide fact, by those on the subpoenas. line right now, Jay Durkin. Uh, oh, that's Jim Durkin. Yeah, Jim, G- hello. Yeah, Jim, come on, join me now. You know, you believe in a separation of powers when it's a Democratic governor and Republican legislators. I know you still believe in the principle when it is Democratic legislators and the all-powerful powerful president of the United States, uh, a Republican named Donald Trump. So, uh, but I do b- agree with him uh, that there's sh- the, 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 the legislative authority, the legislative branch should uh, oversee the or work in conjunction with the executive branch. And uh, yeah, now I knew it was only a matter of time before he raised Michael Madigan's uh, name. Yep, yep, you know, yep. that is like, oh, we, huh, it's taking him a while to get to Michael Joseph Madigan. He hates Zoom. So, you know, it's, there's no way he's going to, uh, they're going to reach him that Yeah. Way. So I do think. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan is going a little far and not uh, opening up the legislature. You know, the city council had a, a virtual meeting. It was a lot of fun. Uh, remember, we, uh, Dave Glowatz, by the way, can we promote that show? Great job. Go of, download it, everybody. Yeah, we, we, and Mr. So, Mike. Yeah, so I think if they could do it on the um, uh, in the Chicago City Council, they can do it in Springfield. So I'm with you 100% on that one, Jim Durkin. How about that, D, huh? You know, I'm always looking for uh, consensus with my Republican brothers and sisters. When they go low, we go high. Oh, man. You guys can't see it, but there's a giant peace pipe uh, over there in the back of the Yeah, Durkin and I see eye to eye on that one. All right, we got one more uh, clip to play here from Jim Durkin's interview uh, from Fox 32 this morning. I did not go to Springfield and get get sworn in a year and a half ago to relinquish my uh, authority and my responsibilities to the governor. Uh, we have to go back. We can do this under safe conditions. And for Mike Madigan to suggest that, well, we'll go back when it's safe. The Democrat Department of Public Health said we can do it under safe conditions. We can meet either in a Capitol. We can meet in the convention center in Springfield. There's many options for us to meet in which we can exercise social distancing to meet and to discuss and get the important issues, whether it's a budget, uh, ethics reform, pension reform done in this month. Jim Durkin, I have a feeling that uh, we'll be hearing more from you because I know you guys are anxious to get back to work. So please come back and visit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, just the thought of Jim Durkin anxious to get back to work. Got to get back to work. Roll up my sleeves. <laughs> Jim Durkin was uh, Bruce Rauner's floor leader, I think. Yeah, big, big time uh, a, a ally of Oh, so Bruce any Rauner. work that Bruce Rauner got done was probably through him. <laughs> yeah. I, I never, re- I don't remember Jim Durkin complaining about Bruce Rauner shutting down the state. Yeah. Uh, no uh, budgets until you agree to decimate unions in the state of Illinois. Uh, sounds good to me. Uh, you know? Uh, yeah. I, and uh, gotta go county by county on this one? Uh, no. Let's, uh, but I'm with them on, I'm with them on you know, getting the legislature. How about that, D? I'm with him on that one. Is that all? That's all you got from Durkin? Because I got some quotes from the bright one about from Durkin. Those. That's all the clips I got. Let's hear what you got. Well, today, sometimes uh, your good friend. Uh, we got to get this guy on. Uh, Neil Early. He is oh yeah, the, the new uh, the new writer at the, the Sun Times. New kid at the Sun Times, uh, who obviously has some kind of sense of downstate. Like he, he knew what Xenia was. Like he, you even didn't even know what Xenia was. Is this guy going to be my future best friend? <laughs> Hey, Neil, it's Dennis. Can we go to a movie tonight? Hey, man, you want to go get some pork steak? 
That's a downstate there. Uh, is it? Yeah. Maybe he'll get up early and chop wood with you. <laughs> I wish. And smoke a doobie. I wish. Anyway, uh, good good article by Neil Early in today's Bright One. Uh, and it's an uh, extended interview with uh, Jim Durkin. And we talked about this with great Rich Miller. Uh, for, wrote a column. When was it? I lost track of time. Getting his column mixed up with Eric Zorn's column. But uh, he was sort of... Uh, poking fun at Jim Durkin. What did he say? Uh, not a, exactly a profile in courage because Jim Durkin was sort of all over the map in terms of those cockamamie lawsuits filed by members of his caucus. Uh, John Cabello from uh, up by Rockford and uh, uh, Darren Bailey in um, Xenia. And it was these are lawsuits. Uh, actually, um, Bailey was successful in his attempt to get, he got some judge, convinced some judge to protect him, exempt him from all executive orders. So he can go bowling at Darren Bailey again if he could just find a bowling alley that's open. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, Rich Miller is asking Durkin off, uh, for a comment about the lawsuits and he ducked and dodged. Uh, and that I was wondering if any Republican was going to speak out against the protesters who uh, gathered at the Thompson Center and, uh, you know, I know there's been protesters throughout the country. Uh, Dennis and I talked about the protesters in Wisconsin and Michigan and they're with the Confederate flags and the MAGA hats and the guns, which I'm not quite sure what any of these things have to do with opening up the economy so people can go back to work. Uh, after Friday's protest, where there was somebody with a sign with a swastika on it and signs with Nazi slogans on them, I was starting to wonder, as I pointed out, whether any of these protesters ever actually had a job to begin with, because I don't think it's a very, I don't know, I don't think it's an easy, if you're looking for a job, walking around downtown Chicago with a swastika on a sign, D is really, I not going to get you many jobs. Well, I mean, unless they're like, you know, farmers and they kind of, you know, got their own little thing going, you know. Okay. This guy always bending over back. You know what? Yeah, it could be that lady with the swastika is a farmer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying. Huh? They probably have jobs. You know, they're just different jobs. I know? just want to say to all the farmers of Illinois, that was Dennis who said that. I did not say farmers are walking around with swastika. I didn't either. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I just had this sense that they didn't really have jobs. And I stole that line from George Carlin, I admit. So I was waiting for a Republican, okay, to stand up and denounce people who are in Chicago with signs with swastikas on them, D. I just figured, well, that could be something that Republicans could join with Democrats in, you know, an agreement that it's inappropriate for people to walk around with signs with swastikas. I mean, I know we all have First Amendment rights, but maybe you would not choose to exercise that right with, to go around with the swastika. But it was silence, radio silence from Republicans uh, for most of the time. They probably did some kind of polling, if I know Republicans, uh, and came to the conclusion, hey, it won't hurt us with the downstate vote if we say something you know, negative about the, peop the lady with the uh, swastika sign. So give Jim Durkin credit. He spoke out. Uh, and he said this, quote, I don't know how anybody in their right mind, any adult in the state, could use that type of terminology at this time in our history that doesn't reflect the good people of the state, the good people within our party, and also the good people of the Democratic Party. I don't know why I threw the Democrats in there. I don't think anybody at that protest was a Democrat, but whatever. He just, you know, maybe one of them voted for Pritzker. So I, and then he's, quote, I was sickened by that to see those signs over the weekend. So Jim Durkin you know, I criticize you for standing with Rauner. I criticize you for your anti-union uh, 
ideology with Rauner and, you know, the whole TIF thing. I'm not quite sure about, you know, why, uh, about the TIF program. But uh, I have to say, I'm going to give you uh, a shout out for taking a stand. Not many Republicans will dare to even remotely criticize uh, the MAGA hat protesters, even if they're wearing, if they're with the Nazi side. So congratulations for taking that stand. How about that, D, huh? Okay. It's good stuff, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Had to take that stand. All right. The live stream chat's blowing up. Yes, pork steak is a real thing, guys. That's a real thing. Uh, I looked it up here. Uh, I've eaten it all my life because I'm from downstate, but it says here pork steak sometimes referred to as a Boston butt or... Uh, is it breaded? It's a butt or pork blade steak. Uh, steaks cut from the shoulder of the pig. Is it breaded? No. Mm-mm. Just grill it. Boom. Good to go. All right. So, uh, oh, we have an update here. Shout out to the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. <laughs> Rich Miller. Uh, he's got the update here. Uh, Darren Bailey. Ben, governor governor is, Darren Bailey? <laughs> our future governor, DB Darren Bailey, oh, God help us all. has proposed his own plan oh. and, as suspected, is getting hammered for it. <laughs> All right, the following comes from Capital Facts here. DB. <laughs> uh, it says here, Representative Darren Bailey of Xenia uh, proposed his own reopening plan today. Uh, it says here, oh, it's a Facebook page. It's a link to his Facebook page. Maybe a little later on I'll go through the details here. Uh, let's see. Rich Miller says, it's probably not the worst idea in the world, but it's not great. His mask mandate applies only to employees, not customers, for instance. Uh, Rich Miller says, but hey, at least he has a plan, which is more than I can say for others. Others like the Chicago Tribune. Oh my God, Rich Miller, burn on the Tribune. Wait, did he rip the Tribune? He ripped the Trib. Oh my God, it's talk about great minds thinking alike. He, <laughs> I was just, you know, D. I almost went there today because I read their their editorial, not Eric Zorn's column. Let me just make that clear. A big distinction between the editorial board and columnists like Rex Hupke and Eric Zorn, who are rational and sane. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead. as opposed to the editorial it's board. It's so funny. When I hear the editorial board, I just think of that song now. Michael Girardi, man. You're, uh, Killed your son, it. Your song Killed it on that here. song and told it like it is on that song. All right. I got a little bit here of uh, Darren Bailey. He posted it on Facebook here. He says, our hope is that local county health departments will adopt this plan. Back to business proposal. Uh, General here, uh, he's got an intro. I'm just trying to find the, the details here. Uh, let's see. To be both safe and successful, residents should develop a personal practice of distancing a minimum of six feet, uh, six feet from others, frequently washing hands, avoiding contact with your face, and avoiding contact with items in public whenever possible. Residents should monitor their own health and remain home if feeling ill or having a temperature, 100.4, or a persisting cough. Contact a physician. Uh, the regional medical centers will establish monitoring criteria of capacity uh, to treat patients. Uh, I can go on and on here. Uh, I'm going to try and find the details as we move along. But he says that the employees should be required to wear masks, but not customers. Yeah, that's what uh, Rich Miller was saying here. See, that makes sense right there. Now, Darren, come on. You want to be governor? That doesn't make any sense. It, that that's, the sort of implies that the... The customers. He, he's never said that he's running for governor, by the oh, way. Yeah, but. Yeah, okay, okay, no, that's that's, that's Dennis's joke, and I stole it. Um, but uh, it doesn't make any sense. See, there you go. That's a Republican thing. So it's like trying to play two sides. So the MAGA hat wearers don't want anybody to wear a mask. 
So he's like, oh, I'm going to show I'm responsible and not quite, you know, a barbaric MAGA hat wearer by saying the employees should wear the mask. Well, why should the employee? If the customers don't wear masks, what's the point? They can affect each other. Oh, no. A scientific study shows that the virus is only passed from the employee to the customer. Wow, this thing's hella long here. Okay, I got... um. Uh, I'll do retail, restaurants, and bars, and then we'll move on. Uh, it says here, retail, all employees shall have temperature checks and screening at least daily. Temperature uh, greater than 100.4 Fahrenheit will be sent home. Wait, 100.4? 100.4 Fahrenheit. So you got 103, you can work? Stay <laughs> here, buddy. God dang. Masks shall be required for all employees. Occupancy allowed at 50% of capacity. Hours for, quote, at-risk community provided. Uh, continued curbside service available. Restaurants and bars. All employees shall have temperature checks and screening at least daily. Once again, greater than 100.4 Fahrenheit will be sent home. Masks shall be required for all employees. Establishments that derive their primary source of income from the sale of an alcoholic beverage will not be allowed to open during this phase. No live entertainment. Occupancy allowed at 50% uh, capacity. No waiting area. Protective screens for employees whenever feasible. Limited immediate family tables. No patrons within six feet of each other. No self-service of any type. No contact menu. Online on personal device. Uh, okay, so you get it there. All right. Well, you know, it's not much different than what everybody else is. So it's his attempt. I mean, I'm sure there's something in here that's a little different. Well, no, the 104. Oh, my God. By the way, I, uh, related to absolutely nothing, this story just broke. Uh, oh, I've just lost it. Uh, Washington news. Post. Yeah, Michael Flynn, the Justice Department, moves to drop case against Michael Flynn, former Trump advisor, pleaded guilty to lying to FBI. This is breaking news. So, obviously, uh, we'll have to get into this. I'm sure we'll be talking about this tomorrow. Jim Coogan, get ready. We're going to bring you on for that one. Shout out to Jim Coogan, a big fan of the uh, Ben Jarofsky show, and we always have him on our Benny J bonus interviews. All right, so that's uh, the latest here. I'll be looking through old uh, Darren Bailey's plan as we move along. Uh, coming up very shortly, we're going to be talking with union man and pension guru Jeff Johnson. Ben, let's keep these listeners listening. What are you going to talk about with Jeff Johnson? Pensions, uh, frontline workers. I would do a little Amazon talk and uh, Jeff Johnson worked with a political talk. Uh, so, yeah, might, maybe ask him about uh, Darren Bailey's future governor's uh, gubernatorial aspirations. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, maybe he's uh, I'm trying to think of it like a riding with Biden, something for Bailey. I can't I, think of it off the top of my head. I, the, the Republican Party, there is it's without a leader right now since Bruce Rauner uh, was defeated by J.B. Pritzker. So they're looking for some some kind of identity, and they're really struggling right now because right now the the face of the Republican Party, those protesters uh, outside the Thompson Center, so uh, people like Jim Durkin are trying to be a, a little more responsible face for the Republican Party to have. All right. Is Jeff Johnson feeling Bailey? You're going to find out after the break. I mean, he's probably not, but you're going to find out after the break. And hey, if you're in a band or you make music or you know of someone who's in a band and they want their music exposed, well, the Ben Jarofsky Show would love to play their music. All right. Just reach out to us, BennyJShow at gmail.com, B E N N Y, the letter J show uh, at gmail.com. That's our email address. You can attach an MP3 and I'll download it and I can play the song. You know what I mean? You can also reach out to us on social media benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show on facebook twitter and instagram and also you can reach out to us we have a phone number 708-658-4788 holy crap i remembered it off the top of my head 708 
Uh, oh, no, I can't remember. Four, five, eight, six, six, seven, eight, four, five. Oh, hold on. Let me uh, let me pull it up. Don't want to sit here and lie to you guys here. Hold on a second. Uh, the phone number here, 708-658-4788. Reach out to us. Send us a voicemail, and we will try to play uh, your voicemail. But our good friend Michael Girardi sent us uh, quite a few songs. Let's play the editorial board, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Jeff Johnson. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Shout out to Frank. Ben, it's called ESPN Plus. Uh, thank you, Frank. And without Frank, I would be lost uh, in more ways than one. Yeah. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's attic. Jeff Johnson with me, union man Jeff Johnson, Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. You there, Jeff? Yes, I am, sir. You sound loud and clear, healthy, sound, safe, and sane. Are all those things true? 
you know, first one was a couple, uh, first one checks the box, the last one, Spain, all that stuff. I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's start with the report from the front lines. Uh, you're we always bring you on as union pension guru. We talk politics with you, uh, but you're also an employee of the city of Chicago. And uh, what's what's it like uh, for firefighters, uh, police uh, as we head into what is this? this? This is like six weeks of this yeah. pandemic lockdown. You know, it's uh, it's interesting to see because you know. It, you still have calls that are coming over. And I, last time I was on, I talked about how, you know, it's just, it's not a fear, but it's this kind of dread that comes over you when you're sending uh, the dispatcher for 911 fire department, you're sending these firemen and paramedics out to COVID possible, uh, COVID positive uh, patients. And, you know, with the uptick in testing, you're having more people that are testing positive. And then at home, they're having medical emergencies and you're having to send, uh, firemen and paramedics to go treat them because that's their job, right? And it's scary in a sense because, you know, you're seeing the uptick in calls that are like COVID positive to 911. And mind you, all in all, call volume's kind of down all in all because I think people are now a little bit more freaked out that if they call 911 and go to a hospital that they normally would have called for some type of emergency, mm-hmm. now they're kind of thinking like, well, you know, maybe I don't want to go to the hospital. Because I don't want, you know, I don't want to be around other sick people, and so it, you're seeing that kind of play out a little bit. Um, and you know, then you also have your public safety concerns. People calling for uh, people playing basketball on the court and stuff for more of like the police side aspect of things. It's uh, just still very eerie, uh, you know, uh, uh, fact. And the, the other thing, I was talking about this with somebody today. On a normal day, you have roughly what, 1.2, 1.4 million people downtown in the central business district. Mm-hmm. With and that's normally on a day watch. That's normally part of your busier areas. And now with downtown being shut down, you're not getting too many calls downtown. And that's like just a freakish effect of this. Yeah, it is. The, it is really freaky to see the downtown these days. And uh, as you know, I live right on the Brown Line, and the train's usually packed back two months ago, be packed, and now it's it's deserted, it's empty. Uh, the, life has definitely changed, no joke about that, uh, in the city of Chicago. What about, you talked about the last time you were uh, on the show with us, Jeff, about uh, personal uh, protection equipment. Uh, how is the city in that department? Is there enough of it to go around? Uh, well, I know that I can speak for OEMP aspect. Uh, they gave us, uh, you know, they passed out... Uh, the uh, face masks and also uh, know that local nine we passed out uh face masks for our own members with the local nine uh, logo on it there's gloves uh they're cleaning the uh oemc pretty frequently and you know i know that some similar departments have gotten the same face masks and stuff like that um right now i mean you know everybody's doing the best they can kind of under the circumstances of uh, cleaning and making sure there's enough you know, just at the very least, face mask, gloves, uh, you know, uh, cl- uh, cleaner, and not Clorox wipes, those types of things. Uh, well, you, we're interviewing you uh, in the middle of a debate we've been having all uh, all day. We've been listening to Jim Durkin, the leader of the House, the Republicans in the House of Representatives. We've been playing his clips. Uh, we've been talking about Darren Bailey, the downstate rep uh, who sued uh, Governor Pritzker, uh, and. Uh, 
we talked about John Cabello, the uh, who, who's from outside of Rockford. He also sued uh, the yeah. state Pritzker. So we've been talking about this a lot. Love to get your feelings on when do you think is the right time for the state uh, to uh, reopen business and go back to business as usual? Oh, yeah, million dollar question right there. <laughs> you know, it. I like to use the analogy. You know, you know, starting a war is the easy part, right? When you infiltrate another country, take over, and you're going to establish some other form of government. That's the easy part. The hard part is pulling out of that country, yeah. right? Uh, we've seen that time and time again where, um, you know, setting up a new form of government is kind of the easy part. It's when do you pull out? The same is the same could be said for shutting down. Once you shut down, shutting down, lack of a better word, the easy part. But now, when you open back up because the liability is on you that, hey, you shut it down for this, if you reopen it too early, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you screwed up in reopening. If you open it up too late and, you know, there's a, a harmful effect on the economy, you screwed it up there. So you have to find that sweet spot of doing it. And the truth of it is, you know, you live off the brown line, you know, around, you know, in a war that has 50,000 people. There's not 50,000 people south of, uh, I was going to joke, south of Shawnee Forest <laughs> or north of Shawnee Forest, east or whatever the hell, however the map plays out. Yeah. Right? So it, it affects different parts of the state differently. And, you know, you got somebody on a farm who doesn't see anybody for three weeks. It's like, why the hell am I being funny? And then you got residents where they live in a very congested area, like, you know, Devon and Broadway, where people are living on top of each other in apartment buildings. And, you know, you got families and multi-generational grandmothers, uh, grandchildren uh, uh, that live in an apartment. One's going, one's coming, and there's different ways to spread it. So it just, it affects people differently. What about the notion that we should uh, do away with uh, uh, bans on uh, masks? Uh, what's your attitude about that? Uh, I well, my personal attitude, no professional, uh, blah 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 disclaimer. I don't. I think it's kind of goofy the mask. Personally, I just have a hard time putting a mask on. Every time I want to put it on, it's like a blindfold almost. Like, all right, where am I going? Am I playing Tennessee <laughs> on the donkey? Um, and uh, you know, it's just. And I, you know, I know that there's studies out there, and you know, I've not read enough into it. Like, wait, who's the mask that be? The person wearing it? Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, you still like if you talk to ten different people, you get ten different answers. Uh, the mask aspect, yeah, I I guess I get it, right? But I don't. well, I I, I got to tell you this: your analogy was a pretty good one, and I've been saying a similar thing. Is pretty much everybody agrees about a phasing? Like we were just reading Darren Bailey. Darren Bailey's the downstate rep who came up with his own yeah. phasing suggestion. And the difference is he, he says that uh, employee with a temperature of 104 should go home. I'm like, 104? 104? <laughs> you're, you're almost about to have a seizure if you're 104. <laughs> 100.4. Oh, 100.4. I, I'm sorry, Darren Bailey. Oh, I thought Dennis said it was yeah, 104. Exactly. 100.4 is a lot. Okay. Uh, Darren Bailey, I apologize okay, for me. 104, you're basically about to have a seizure <laughs> for 104. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I apologize uh, to Darren Bailey. I thought Dennis said 104. All right. Uh, but, he, you know, it's, it's essentially every uh, politician, more or less, Republican or Democrat, 
has the same formula laid out of like, you know, uh, what what gets phased in first and what's reasonable social uh, reasonable social distancing. Uh, the the uh, the difference, of course, is as you put it, when do you pull a trigger? When do you say it's safe to start to phase something in? And I don't think anyone has an answer for that one uh, at all. No, Jeff. exactly. And you know, you look at the you know the history of mankind. We have completely eradicated, for lack of a better word, what two viruses. Rinderpest and uh, smallpox. We, everybody's talking about, you know, we're going to have a vaccine for this by, you know, uh, summer or by fall. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit more uh, bearish on that aspect of, uh, you know, it, it, it's, this is going to alter life, I think. But it's just a matter of how far does it alter life because I think it's going to be something we're going to have to deal with going forward. Uh, you said bearish. That uh, is a perfect transition to uh, the next thing I want to talk about, bearish and bullish. The impact of the virus on the markets is something you're watching. But before I completely yeah. leave the political arena, what's your sense as a political junkie of uh, how each party is playing this uh, in the state of Illinois? Uh, do you think that uh, we've been more or less reasonable with the two parties joining together to look out for the best interests? of people in Illinois? Uh, do you think it's turning into a partisan uh, battle? What's your sense of this? Uh, I think at first it was very reasonable amongst the parties. And then as this dragged on a little bit longer than I think a lot of people at first, you know, a lot of people at first kind of dismissed it. And so, you know, it, at first they were a little bit more, you know, reasonable to deal with the party, but now it's dragging on a little longer than people thought. And now it's starting to very much turn into a political debate. And you're seeing both sides. And to be quite honest, there's no playbook for how you handle this. So you got an administration that's kind of coming up with things daily, like, uh, yeah, I think we should do this. There you go. And they're trying to, you know, talk to scientists. And they're, they're trying to, you know, uh, uh, doctors. And, you know, because the thing of it is, it's one of those, there's really no upside to this predicament. There's a lot of downside. Yeah. If he makes one bad, if the administration makes one bad decision, they are screwed because they're going to wear the jacket on that. Yeah. There's really no upside to making decisions. And so politically, it's one of those like risk reward, like investments. Uh, there's a lot of risk. There's not so much a reward in uh, how you handle this. And, you know, you're seeing just, you know, but you know, it goes back to the different populations. You know, if you got farmers, uh, that, you know, bulk of your membership uh, is just farmland and, you know, they're spaced out 20 acres apart from each other, mm -hmm. you know, you don't really have to worry about the social distancing uh, party. Uh, and so I get the different aspects, but how do you, and then it turns into political football. of like, well, everything south of I-80, you can open it up because they're given land, you know, they're given acres upon acres once they're born because there's nothing else to do down there. Um, so south of <laughs> I-80, everybody gets an acre of land and you open up the state. Well, everybody north of I-80 is punishing you because you're a highly populated area. Politically, that's just a kick in the face for a lot of people. Yeah, I uh, and there are some congested areas downstate. I mean, uh, uh, Dennis is really insulted that you said there's nothing south of I-80. The booming town of Alton, Illinois is south of I-80, and there's a lot going on there. All right, uh, Jeff. Yeah, that's cool. yeah has, his, has his mayor paid the offense yet on uh, what his wife said? Or we still... Uh, Oh, we the Alton mayor, <laughs> his wife. Uh, yeah, that was uh, – God, Jeff was really teasing Dennis about it. Uh, that story broke about a month ago, and I'm doing this from memory. 
the mayor of Alton, Illinois, D, help me out, was his wife, was she arrested or given a ticket? Or she was at a party, right? She, yeah. was at a, she was identified at a party, at a bar uh, with a large amount of people at a party late night after the uh, shutdown kicked in. Yeah. The crime, the corruption. Oh, my God. How do you vote for somebody like that? Or you know, Instead of a Crook County or what people call Crook County, yeah. let's call it Crook Alton or there's got to be a name out there for it. <laughs> Yeah, that was a rough day for Dennis. I was ribbing him about that, too. And then he quickly pointed out, well, at least our mayor didn't get a haircut. Oh, man, he came right back at me. (laughs) He came right back with a counterpunch, and there was nothing I could do, Jeff Johnson. All right, let's talk about bearish. You you said bearish, bearish and bullish. Uh, In your role on the uh, pension um, board, you have to watch the markets. And uh, I, you know, I've been reading a lot about this and thinking about this, the fact that the markets have been regularly stable in the midst of, well, they're not stable. They go, it's been volatile, but they, ha- they're, they're still relatively strong in the midst of this pandemic. I can't make any sense of this. Uh, help me out here, uh, Jeff. Uh, so I can tell you just from an investment standpoint, the outlook, and then I can say also it's kind of affecting pension funds because, uh, you know, and I, I want this to know for those that are listening, None of you reporters called me when our pension fund returned 16.6% returns last year. But all of a sudden now we have a bad month or two and they're calling asking, how's this going to affect the city budget? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, from an investment standpoint, you know, the, the markets are volatile, right? You know, and a lot of it is, you know, there was that uh, the week in March where the Dow just dropped. And a lot of it was, uh, when all the shutdowns were starting to kick in, and the market just was in a free fall, a free for all, where it hit the the circuit breaker a couple times, shut down because it had gone down seven percent to nine percent, um, and there was that massive uh, sell off where uh, sometime uh, like March nineteenth, March twenty first, and so since then the market's kind of come back up a little bit, it's been positive, but there's a lot of hope keeping this market up. You have a lot of people, every time they talk about, you know, hey, you know, uh, so-and-so might have a, a vaccine. Uh, and then there's a lot of, like, just investor hope that we're going to get through this. We're going to open up the economy. Everything's going to be fine. And I've learned that they talk about uh, letters in the recovery aspect. Uh, so uh, there's the, uh, the V recovery, where straight down, straight up. And that's, what, that's probably your best recovery that you want. You want a V recovery. There's the U recovery, down, and it's you know, kind of said, you know, stay in the middle, but down, and then comes back up. That's a little longer of a recovery. There's the W recovery, down, up, down, up, you know. And so like, apparently they're just naming letters in the alphabet. To, you know, <laughs> I'm looking for the Q, the Q recovery. Um, and so like with investor sentiment, you know, it's your, you, you have your airline, the uh, profit, Warren Buffett made the classic mistake that nobody makes. Mm-hmm. He bought high and sold low on airlines. And, you know, everybody, what are they, Omaha Profit or whatever they call it. And he can't really knock them because he's so many billions worth more than I have. Yeah, the um, Oracle but, of Omaha. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. There you go. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you know, he made the, that's the mistake. You never buy high, never sell low. Yeah. But, and then he comes out and knocks the airlines, and then it leaks out that he sold all of his airline stock. And then on Monday, the airline uh, stocks took a hit. All of them did. And so you have your airline stocks, your cruise lines, your casinos, 
your travel companies, uh, all those are the ones that are getting killed by this. Meanwhile, your tech stocks are doing great. Your uh, bio stocks are doing great. Uh, your kind of, you know, your oil stocks, they got killed because of oil was trading negatively in the futures market, which is just insane. Um, and then because nobody's really using oil, right? The entire country shut down. Nobody's flying. Nobody's going anywhere. Um, and so there's a lot of hope every time that, hey, the market's going to open up again. We're, you know, the country's going to be back going again. And then it's kind of, and I'm not going to say artificially, but it's keeping the market up a little bit of this, like there's an end in sight aspect to it. And it's uh, how long can you keep that going before either A, the, the country opens up again? Because right now, in theory, the markets aren't that bad. We're at 23,000, 24,000 a day. Um, and from its high of 29,000, it's bad, but it's not like the worst case scenario. And, you know, the markets are still treading water. And that's where I think you're starting to see a lot of this political pressure of, hey, you know, we're treading water. Like, you know, and I always use the analogy of like starting a fire you need enough wood on it to keep the fire going if you don't put enough wood on it the fire goes out if you put too much wood on it it gets overheated and then burns out and then you run out of wood and the economy is kind of like like a fire almost and they're worried that they're running out of wood to keep the fire going and if you open up the economy and everything starts moving again you you got more wood there you can kind of keep it going and that's the the million dollar question of what happens and how this plays out well, and then it gets back to where we started. If you open up the economy uh, and then we have a sort of a relapse, if the virus comes back strong, then you close the economy. It's a stop and a start. And I don't know how that helps anybody. That And that gets to the point that you raise at the outset. Nobody know, has a strong sense of the dates. Everybody has a is in agreement, Jeff, in terms of the phase in. Okay. That's not the hard part. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, even Darren yeah. Bailey has figured that out. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but everybody's figured that out, <laughs> but, but it's when you uh, get it going and that that's just, nobody knows. And you're, and, and you're right. If you're the governor of the state, if you're the president of the United States, you're wearing a jacket, you're the one who's responsible. So it's a lot of uh, yep. pressure on you. Now, you were talking about the the fluctuations, of some aspects of the market, or some companies uh, are doing really well, others are doing poorly. How much adjustment, how much room for adjustment uh, do, do the pension funds have uh, to move their stocks around, or are they pretty much... Oh, okay, so that's a very good question. And I will... You know, I like my, uh, you know, analogies. Uh, pension funds are like a slow-moving oil tanker in the ocean. Uh, and then you have your little jet ski boat right next to it, right? Jet ski boat can spin around to, a, you know, uh, circles on a dime. Pension funds are that slow-moving oil tanker where you spot the, uh, the iceberg literally five miles away and you barely miss it because it took that long to turn. Um so we're not day traders, you know, we're institutional investors, we're long-term investors. And, you know, I like to say, I told somebody this uh, today, the Muni Pension Fund has been around for basically over 100 years. We've survived smallpox, which by all accounts is apparently worse than what's going on now, which is kind of hard to quantify. Uh, wars, World War One, II, um, and we've, you know, we're long-term investors. So we tend to hold our, hold our, um, and so, you know, if we have, if we're invested in, you know, we have a diversified portfolio from U.S. stocks, international stocks, real estate, bond, fixed income, things like those. 
And so we hold on to it because in the end, and this is what always bothered me, is I've been on the Pension Fund now for four years. I always had to deal with getting on the Pension Fund four years ago and 2008 number, right? In a 10-year return, 2008. And they're like, well, and the uh, consultants would always say, well, when 2008 rolls off, we'll be fine. And 20, that 2008 one year was like 16% negative drop, dragged down a lot of the return. And so uh, that rolls off, and all of a sudden now this happens. Um, and so being long-term investors, you just, you know, you got to hold your course. You don't want to make any rash uh, you know, decisions like the Oracle of Omaha did <laughs> and just sell, you know, sell low when we bought it high. Um, I will say that we, we're in a good place, though, and I say that with, we're as good of a place in the given situation. The city had just paid the first installment of their uh, money due to the pension fund. So they're due to OS, I think it was for this year, it's supposed to be like 449, don't quote me, plus or minus 5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave us roughly 220, $270 million of their first payment. So, and they did that for the other three uh, pension funds. So while before this situation started, we're arguing about how to deploy the, deploy the cash, put it to work and, um, you know, maximize our profit. Then this started. And so we kind of made the collective decision as a board and a pension fund, consultants, all that, to uh, hold on, uh, don't invest it, and use the cash for payout. We pay out $90 million a month in benefits. And so if we use the cash to pay out benefits, we aren't going to have to liquidate our assets and basically sell low because that's a double whammy on your pension fund. So the pension funds have been okay because we have not, none of the four Chicago pension funds have had to liquidate anything uh, due to this uh, pandemic. And so we have not gotten hit by the market being down yet. And so going forward, once you get into June, July, then that's going to be a much harder discussion of where are you at financially, where the market's at, how much cash on hand do you still have. Um, and that's going to be the interesting part of how this plays out. And ultimately, our numbers are smoothed over for five years, right? So they basically elected the simple way of they average in five-year returns. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning, you're averaging out five years. We got 16.6% last year, total return for the year. This year, who knows how the market's going to end up? So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's the ultimate long game when it comes to pensions. Well, and to the point, uh, I don't know if you saw this. I, I didn't send this to you as a topic when we were talking before the show, but uh, State Senator Don Harmon, president of the Senate, a Democrat from Oak Park, uh, got in hot water uh, with his yes. proposal. Now, by the way, just so I, I applauded him for this one. You may disagree with me on this one, Jeff, but I applauded Harmon. All right, Don Harmon is the president of the, the Senate. He's a Democrat from Oak Park. Uh, and he, I think he petitioned, sent a letter. I forget how, exactly how he did it, but he, he, he made it clear that he was hoping that the federal bailout and relief uh, packages that Congress was passing would include yeah. money to Illinois to uh, take care of our pension liability. He was immediately, uh, the Sun-Times ripped him, the Tribune ripped him, the Republicans ripped him. How dare you try to take advantage of this crisis to, uh, you know, to feed the, to get the feds to feed it. I applauded him. I, I just said... You know, the, the sometimes called it a rookie mistake, and I'm like, the only mistake, rookie mistake, is that he didn't do it like the way Madigan would do it, very quietly. You know what I mean? Work it into a budget. Yeah. Pro. That's how a, the maestro would handle it. 
Uh, the rookie mistake was going public, I guess. But I, yeah, I, I yeah. as a taxpayer in the city of Chicago and Illinois, a big supporter of pensions, I thought it was. I didn't see any problem with it. I mean, um, what's your take on it, Jeff? Well, well, you get uh, you go down a rabbit hole really quick, where your average citizen has no issue giving twenty six billion dollars to airlines, giving. Umpteen billions to cruise lines. You're giving billions to people that pay their CEOs millions. The average citizen has no issue with that, right? You know, hey, sure, sure. You know, those airlines need the money, and it, you know, let's be told there. You know, you're you probably heard this old uh, issue of. I remember being drilled in my head as a kid that I need three months of life savings uh, in my savings account. You know, for for my day to day expenditures in the event of right. So it's always I was supposed to have three months of cash and savings in the event that I had no money come in for three months. Mm-hmm. And then you have these corporations who two weeks into a shutdown had their hands out to the federal government saying, oh, we can't operate unless you give us billions. It's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, hold on here. Aren't you supposed to have like cash, you know, cash in, in, in the uh, savings account? So use it. No, no, no. Corporations are different. So your average person has no issue bailing out corporations. But when it comes to a city, state, a governmental bailout, the old thinking starts to creep back in, which you've talked about numerous times. I'm not bailing out those overpaid city workers, those too generous of pensions. Uh-uh. No way, no how. And there's a different mentality there. And it's interesting to see how that kind of comes back up. And then going further down the, the rabbit hole, you have Mitch McConnell come out and say, no way, no how are we bailing out uh, anybody, uh, states or uh, cities. Kentucky has the worst funded pension of of the 50 states in the United States of America. And, you know, I, I went down a rabbit hole, and I remember there was something back in 1975. New York City was on the verge of collapse. Yeah. They had some bad financial uh, issues or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I found the headline, which I love this headline. From I think it was the New York uh, Times. New York Daily News. Ford, yeah, Ford the city dropped dead mm-hmm. because the city was asking for some type of federal bailout to keep them going. Yeah, Ford the city dropped dead, and he basically he didn't say that apparently. You know, when you go down the rabbit hole, he didn't say it. He just said, "I'm not bailing out New York City. They made they made the uh, their bed. They're gonna have to lie in it." Okay. Well, ultimately that worked out pretty bad for him because. The election was right on the heels of that, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Carter beat him. Yeah. And uh, and then, oddly enough, the New York pension funds were some of the first uh, people to invest in the bonds that the city was offering to kind of keep them afloat at the time. And so you go down that rabbit hole of, like, Mitch McConnell's running against a Democratic woman, and she's pretty progressive. And it's like, well, you know, McConnell to Kentucky dropped dead. Right, if I'm if I'm his political director, I'm hammering that. Like you know, he said screw you to the like everybody that's having like, like because you know they try to make it out like oh the blue states are the ones having problems with budget because Democrats can't uh, budget they waste money. You have Republican states that kind of like on the side going uh we're having a problem too whispering uh, you know and this isn't just hitting Democratic cities it's hitting Republican cities independent hell it's hitting Alaska you know. And, you know, it's something that you go down that hole of there's going to have to be some money 
for cities and states, and even if you give it to the state and the state uh, appropriates it or whatever, this, these are unprecedented times. And then you go back into that political issue of like Bruce Bonner, who said to somebody that I respect and like I trust about like solving the pension problems, like, you know, and, hey, instead of like they were in a meeting, instead of like doing this or cutting that or cutting this, you know, we could just like raise taxes and fund the pensions. And Bruce Bonner said, why would I do that? What else would we fight about? <laughs> and, you know, there's no, why would you want to solve the pension problems? Well, you know, throw money at it and fix it. Uh, how do you how do you play politics then and fight each other? So, well, it's, uh, you, know, it's uh, you always have to see it that way. Yeah, as you pointed out, Jeff, it's a very uh, it's a wedge issue that the Republicans, in particular yeah. Illinois, have been using. I, I and everybody knows where I stand on this. I think uh, I've said this a hundred times: a pension payment to a retired city worker is one of the most direct. Uh, subsidies or investments that government can make in a neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Because more often than not, uh, that retired worker will live in Chicago. I know some live in Florida, et cetera, but many of them live in Chicago. And it's money. 90% of 90% of our retirees live in the city. Live in the city. It's a, a direct investment in the city of Chicago. And a lot of employees live in neighborhoods that are really hurting for investment. You have police exactly. officers yeah. who live, let's say, in the south side or the west side. That's direct payment into that neighborhood that's supporting businesses yep. in that neighborhood. So I've always argued, I don't understand why people are so quick to dismiss the positive impact. It's just like where money gets re uh, distributed, where it gets directly invested. So I think it's a positive investment, but it works. You're right. It works for the Republicans. They get to say, those yeah. city employees are sucking your money. They never talk about like yeah. a pension plan that goes to, I don't know, somebody in Darren Bailey country who works for the state or works, you know, yeah, for the correctional or facility. Or IMRF or yeah, some of those state funds. Yeah. Yeah. He's contributing to his county just as much. So I, I, I think that uh, I, I applaud Harmon for doing it. I, he may have been craftier. Madigan may have been craftier had, had it been in Madigan's hand. But uh, I applaud Harmon for doing it. And I'm uh, disappointed in many of my uh, fellow uh, columnists in the city who criticized about it. All right, we're close with your thoughts on where we are with the presidential race. Cannot let you escape without uh, chiming in. Uh, on the state of the, the presidential race, Joe Biden obviously had a rough a week or so last week with the Tara Reid's accusations uh, emerging. Yeah. He uh, defended himself. He went on uh, TV uh, to uh, assert his innocence. What's your thoughts about uh, where Biden and Trump are uh, at this moment in time? Uh, I say that you know, Trump's hard to beat. Uh, say what you will, like him, hate him, whatever. Uh, he keeps his base that elected him the first time around. And then you have, you know, you have your vocal base, you have your silent base. They, you know, in a, at a cocktail party back when you could have cocktail parties, uh, people would knock Trump. And if it was like a progressive like party, they go, oh, can you believe he said this? There was one or two people that were kind of quiet. like, uh, yeah, But they voted for him yeah. because they wanted something different, right? They wanted to blow it up and they, you know, let's try this, right? Um, so he's hard to beat. I think he keeps his base. And then he gets some independence, um, you know, and you could say how he's this, yay, nay. And see, yet again, depending upon where you live, where you're at, is your government shut down, isn't it? You know, Trump's like, yeah, open it up, who cares? And then yelling at governors because they open it up. Um, 
he's hard to beat. Uh, Biden, uh, there's a path to victory there. If I'm, if I'm either one of them, I focus on those five key states, you know, your Florida, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Um, focus on those states. And I'd dump all my money in there and see where it goes. Uh, a lot of it's going to be on his vice president. Thing. And, you know, it's going to be a woman. Okay, you, you just narrowed it down to 52% of the uh, population. Um, and, you know, where does he go with that? And, and let's be honest, what baggage does the person he picks for, the, for vice president, what baggage do they have? And, you know, if you're just viewing it from risk-reward, that's the investment aspect. But you just want your least baggage. And then uh, hopefully, you know, they get invited easily enough. The way that whole accusation was handled, obviously, I think could have been better handled. Uh, mind you, you could chalk it up to this pandemic and social distancing and whatever the hell else you want to do, you know. Um, so I, the ballpark where you're at right now, because, you know, I, I have many people that are pro-Trump supporters. Many people can't even look at them. People who don't even know who Trump is. Uh, it's hard to kind of ballpark it right now. And I think that once this is over and how this was handled, it's a matter of how does that take hold? Like, what's the story, the headline story? Trump handled it great or the federal government screwed it up completely? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with me and you, it's a great case study in federal government versus state and where that power lies and how things are handled, you know, to see how this played out. It's been really interesting. Yeah, at that point, you make you make it a lot, and Dennis does as well, the silent Trump supporters. Uh, I've been going around saying I think Biden's going to be the next president. I think he's going to beat Trump. But I, I, every time either one of you comes at me with that silent Trump thing, that always just gives me pause because they're – they could be lying to the pollsters because they're too embarrassed to admit that yep. for Donald Trump. Uh, and so, yes, that's the wild card and everything. Jeff Johnson, yep. get back to your day. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. And uh, go study that stock market and make some good investments, all right? That's right. All right, stay safe, my friend. Jeff Johnson comes on the show once a month, talks pensions, talks politics. And he pretty much, D, you and he see eye to eye on that silent Trump voter. You've been saying that for uh, oh, since yeah. I've known you. They're out there. They're out there. <laughs> well, I'm not voting for him. <laughs> Are you kidding that, there. guys? Hey, yo, crazy. He's crazy, yeah. I wouldn't vote for him. Let me get in there. Though. One for Trump, please? <laughs> One for Trump. I know that's not how you vote. Uh, I know. <laughs> hey, before we roll out of here, uh, J.B. Pritzker, our governor, is giving his daily COVID-19 press briefing. Uh, the only thing I've learned from it so far, uh, uh, jo- uh, Governor, Governor J.B. Pritzker said uh, today marks our 60, uh, 60th daily update in a row. Pritzker's been doing 60 of these back to back. Holy his, cow. His hair looking shaggy? His hair is not looking shaggy. Looks, uh, I don't know. No, don't want to start anything don't start anything <laughs> don't want to start anything but it looks pretty good but anyway uh jb pritzker you got a future in podcasting pal 60 <laughs> days in a row yeah. oh my lord uh it says here today marks our 60th daily update in a row to the delight of many reporters who have been working these long days with us beginning this weekend governor jb pritzker will no longer hold weekend in-person briefings so the in the saturday sunday briefings no more well could say one thing about you and me what? we have podcasts on the weekends all right huh <laughs>
Uh, that's about the only update I have here. Uh, shout out to everybody who is uh, on the live stream chat still. Brianna, Keith, welcome back to the chat. Drew, hey, our good friend Babbers. Bab actually uh, has been sending us a lot of uh, Facebook messages. Surprise, surprise. But uh, I, I need to look at those, and uh, we'll maybe try to get to those tomorrow. How about no, I, uh, yeah, uh, Monroe and I were talking about one of Babs uh, yesterday. Yeah. The guy uh, is a poli- we got we, 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 If we ever get back to the studio, we got to bring him on. Cause the guy knows his politics inside out. Babs, you want to come in for a studio interview? Huh? Would that be cool? We're by the water fountains and the bathrooms <laughs> of the so Sun you, Times. Yeah, you right by go to the, the bathroom. Uh, right down the hall. We got the bathrooms on one side and then the emergency exit on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Show us what they. <laughs> no, come on. I love that studio. I miss it. <laughs> But no, that's it, guys. Uh, we hope to uh, hope you'll join us tomorrow as well. And remember, uh, we're going to be talking to Casey Kelly Cassidy uh, about, uh, well, more than likely uh, marijuana. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking with her, and it's going to be available at 7 p.m. tonight. I promise, 7 p.m. tonight at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go subscribe. Uh, show some support for The Ben Jarofsky Show. All you live stream listeners, we do downloads, too. Go find them. Yes, Kelly Cassidy just texted me, uh, wanted to know what number to call. So we're getting ready to get Kelly Cassidy on the show. We'll bring her on. Uh, and after uh, Dennis uploads this episode, I want to thank uh, Jeff Johnson. Great job he did as always. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Jeff Johnson, Kelly Cassidy, and J.B. Pritzker can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. <laughs> Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Let's begin with phase one. I'm not a perfect person. Uh, I did not go to Springfield and get get sworn in a year and a half ago to relinquish my uh, authority and my responsibilities to the governor. That's correct.